Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Here's your quote of the day. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Jesus was moving about from place to place with his little band of followers and they were healing the sick and feeding the hungry and delivering the oppressed. But the religious right wasn't happy about it. They weren't happy because Jesus didn't follow all the rules. He was uh, a little bit unorthodox at times, something of a nonconformist. And in fact, uh, he regularly violated the law. So our, uh, our title today is A Tale of Two Sabbaths. And for those that weren't aware, our opening monologue was from A Tale of Two Cities. But let's pray and uh, we'll get into the text. Father, uh, Pray that you would open our hearts to receive this morning. You would teach us what it means to value life, to love life, and to live a life of love. In your name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and look at the first few verses here. Oh, first Sabbath number one. Now go ahead. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain. They would rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. He also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees are correct. Jesus uh, and his disciples were violating the, uh, the Deuteronomic law here on at least four different levels because in the law it specifically states that you are not to pluck grain, winnow grain, thresh grain, or grind grain on the Sabbath. And so it was not so much what they were doing, but when they were doing it, the things they were doing were uh, against the Old Testament law on the Sabbath day. So what Jesus and his companions were doing here is very clearly a violation of the law. So the Pharisees direct their question, why are you doing what's unlawful to the whole group? But Jesus responds on their behalf 
And he responds with a story which is recorded in 1 Samuel 21 where David and his companions were fleeing from Saul. Uh, They were engaged in a battle, so they were running and hiding and so on and so forth. And they went into the temple they hadn't eaten, and there's some bread there that's for the offering, and that's only supposed to be used by the priest. But they were hungry, and so they took the bread and they ate it. What David did in the temple there was also a violation of the law, and in fact was a serious violation of the law, so much so that it was punishable by death. But when they did that, God didn't uh, strike them dead. Uh, God, in fact, didn't rebuke them or chastise them in any way at all. Now, the law is a law. But it seems as though God and here Jesus both value human need above the law. Jesus concludes his story, and if you hit the next slide, with this little phrase. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus isn't saying that he disregards the Sabbath or that he disregards the law at all. In fact, um, he said at one point that he came to bring life and bring life abundantly. Uh, The giving of life, the living of life, the value of life is more important than the law is what Jesus says. Go to the next slide. Sabbath number two and the text. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. He was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Go one more. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at them all. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. They began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus uh, has a gift. He has a gift for being able to tick off the Pharisees. Seems like he's able to do it without really trying. Uh, First, he and his friends are hungry. They're picking some grain and just having a little snack, and that upset him. And now... He heals this guy, and again, it's not so much the healing that is the issue, but the healing on the Sabbath. And I mean, I think if we're honest, Jesus was a little bit of a rule breaker. He was not like a rebel without a cause. He wasn't an anarchist. He didn't just break rules for the sake of breaking rules. However, he did seem to have a different value and priority structure than maybe the Pharisees and seemed to think that the giving of life was more important than the rules. He said at one point, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. He actually taught rules, and yet here he breaks the law. A couple of comments on the text, just sort of parenthetically. First of all, when it says they watched him closely, the connotation there is actually that they were spying on him. They weren't just like keeping an eye on him to see what's happening. They were actually spying on Jesus, 
trying to trap him, setting up an opportunity, looking for ways in which he might do something that they didn't like. Their, their whole motivation was to get him. If there's an application to us in that, I, I would just say this, that I don't think that's ever the right attitude. Every now and then you come across this sort of distasteful kind of self-righteousness that says, hey, I'm okay, but I'm keeping my eye on you because I know sooner or later you're going to screw up. Second thing on this text, and I think this is important, is that this man has an atrophied hand. That is not a terminal condition. It's not a critical condition. He's not bleeding out. He's not going to die today from this hand. We don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to assume that it's been that way for quite some time. And the truth is, if Jesus wanted to uphold the law, he could have very easily because all he had to do was say, hey, come see me tomorrow and we'll take care of that. Right? Easy peasy. But he didn't. And not all laws are created equal. Uh... Before anybody gets up in arms. I'm not saying the Bible isn't all the word of God or that it isn't all inspired. It certainly is. But the context of scripture is scripture. And we take every verse and every passage in context of the entire scripture and what it says. And when you look at uh, any given passage in the light of the whole scripture, you get a fuller picture The reality is God has a progressive revelation for us from the Old Testament through the New Testament to the end on his will and his purpose and how he works in the lives of his people. And so with that in mind, we understand that not all scripture is created equal. That some way more than others. Here's an example. Look at what Jesus says. To the Pharisees again, woe to you teachers of the law. I think that's exactly how he said it. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Uh, Apparently, some things are more important than other things. Now, again here, the Pharisees are correct. Uh, Under the law, they were required to tithe, and so they did. In fact, they did to the letter of the law. They tithed their produce, everything from their garden down to herbs and spices. They grew a little dill plant and took 10% of it and tithed on that at the temple. They were very exacting in their practices. Now, that's not wrong. It's okay. In fact, I would say it's probably good. Jesus is not upset with them for being so exacting in their tithing. What he's saying, though, is you've kept the letter of the law, but you've forgotten the spirit of it. We are called to tithe. We're called to keep the commandments. Uh, We saw that last week. Jesus had a conversation with the rich young ruler who came and said, hey, what do I do to get life? Jesus said, oh, it's simple. Just follow the commandments. He goes, well, I already do that. But we don't do that to the exclusion of being gracious and loving and kind and caring 
and just. Rules are important, but there are life principles that sometimes supersede the rules. We're called to live loving lives. We are called to be loving people. And that is a principle of life that's taught throughout Scripture. Go to the next few verses. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, in summary of that, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you do those two things, it's the same as keeping everything. Go to the next one. Paul tells us the same thing in Romans. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Go one more. Our old friend James, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, and then you're doing right. It's pretty clear throughout Scripture that we are to walk in the way of love, and that's a principle of life. It's unchanging. It's constant. We are to do that all the time. One more. Follow God's example. Walk as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love. We walk in the way of love, and that is not ever to change. We do that all the time. And one more. Corinthians, do everything in love. Everything we do should be done in love. That is a principle of life that is taught throughout Scripture. Rules, though, are contextual, and they change from time to time. The Pharisees, again, were correct. They tithed because under the Old Testament law, they were required to do so. It was very important in the Old Testament to tithe. Uh, the tithe went into the temple, and it supported the priesthood. They were able to live, and it supported the temple. The temple was very elaborate. A lot of, it was, it, the temple was, shall we say, high maintenance. A lot of upkeep on that baby. And so uh, the tithe supported the temple. Uh, it was a very serious issue under Old Testament law not to tithe. Malachi the prophet says, in fact, you're robbing God if you don't. But in the New Testament, things are a little different. Understand that the people of God, Jesus was teaching on one of these Sabbaths where? In the temple. And the people of God still came to the temple and, and uh, gathered there to worship. All of that presupposes the tithe. You're still supposed to give. It's still very important. But in the New Testament, we're not taught that, are we? What are we taught in the New Testament about giving? We are to give generously. We are to give abundantly. We are to give joyfully. We are to give faithfully. We are to give sacrificially. But there's no percentage put on that. That's given to us to determine in our heart between us and God. If we follow these principles of life, Scripture is confident that we will be walking with God. One more verse. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was not made for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The principle of life here is important. Do we need a Sabbath? It's not a trick question. Yes, we do need a Sabbath. Uh, We need a time of rest and reflection. We're not supposed to work every day. 
We're supposed to take time out and relax and, and be in the presence of God and time to think and pray and just uh, enjoy God's presence without having to think about everything that we have to get done all the time. That really is an important principle. But is it important exactly when that happens during the course of your week? Do, you have to, do we have to all do that on Sunday or Saturday? What if your day off is Thursday? Can you take your Sabbath day? Of course you can the life principle holds, but the rules are uh, flexible and they're changing. We need a Sabbath. But we don't need to be rigid about it. Take a Sabbath. But, I, you know, I love the scripture. If your ox falls in the well on the Sabbath, get him out. Don't leave him in there. That happens a lot. My ox just fell in the, in the well the other day. <laughs> we want to, in our hearts, be diligent about following God. We want to be sincere and honest. We want to be faithful and fruitful. We want to, uh, even this morning when we were talking about praying, just press into God to know more of him all the time. But we understand that God is the giver of life. And scripture is given to us to open life up to us. We're not intended to be God's lawyers, and the Bible isn't intended to be God's law book. It's intended to give us life. The Pharisees thought, and here's, this is really where, what this comes down to here. The Pharisees thought that keeping the Sabbath was more important than healing a man. Jesus said, I just want to give life. That's the highest priority to me. The Pharisees tithed to the penny. They fasted twice a week. They went to the temple to pray every single day. They lived very, very pious lives, but they, neglect, they neglected to show life. They didn't live merciful and gracious lives. They, didn't, they weren't loving peoples. They weren't kind to the broken-hearted people around them. They shunned a young woman because she was a prostitute. They avoided a man because he had leprosy. They walked past a guy who was beaten and bloody and laying in a ditch because they had to get to church on time. And you ask yourself, what's wrong with this picture? There's a time and a place to be rigid. And the time and place to be rigid, I believe, is in the principles of life that Scripture gives us. Live in love. Don't ever yield from that. Live in love all the time with all your heart. Live in love every day. Be flexible in the rules. Rules are important. Um, without rules, life would be chaos. So I'm not saying that we should ignore the rules, but I am, I am saying that they are subordinate to the principles of life. The truth is this. Some of us need rules more than others. It's just the way we're wired. You know, I, I still, when we go bowling, which isn't very often, whenever there's like a church bowling deer or something, I like those little bumper things. I just do better with them. You know, I, I, it, the ball always goes in the other lane when I don't have them. Why is that? Rules are good. Uh, you guys want to get ready? Yeah, come on. Here's my observation. And this is, 
I'm going to make an observation, and I don't want anybody to take this too seriously or too harshly. It's a generalization. It's not true of everybody, but I'm going to go ahead and make it today. My experience has been in the life of the church that oftentimes those who are overly fixated on following the rules are often less loving. And I see a little bit of the heart of the Pharisee in that. And so my encouragement to us as a congregation today is to learn to live in love. To be flexible, but to be rigid in loving and living in love. Now again, that's not always true. If you're a person who likes rules, I'm not, it's, that's okay. God bless you. <laughs> it's good. We need you. But I'm saying that life can be a little bit ambiguous sometimes. Sometimes everything isn't completely black and white. Sometimes there are challenges that present themselves, and we have to say, what's the highest priority here? What's the value here? And, and I think one way to come to a determination is to ask, what gives life? What will give life in this situation? If you insist, <laughs> if you insist on everybody following your rules all the time, the reality is you probably won't have very many friends. Sometimes I think um, Christians only hang out with other Christians because they're the only people that can tolerate them. <laughs> I didn't mean you. Rules are, are, are not bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I believe the lesson that Jesus is teaching us in this tale of two Sabbaths is that life is a higher value. And if we learn to live in love and give life to one another, be life-giving to one another, rather than be overly concerned about following every rule all the time, I, I believe that God will elevate the level of fellowship and community and joy and happiness that we have in him, the level of uh, presence of his spirit. We're going to um, close with a last song of worship this morning, and I want to encourage us to stand together and really open your heart to receive today and allow the spirit of God to come. Uh, I'm going to ask our, our ministry team to do maybe something a little bit different than normal this morning, and that is just to kind of pray as we worship. And if you sense, and I really think, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God to do this, but I think God's going to lead us to maybe just pray for one another a little bit today. Just you might think of somebody, hey, I should go pray for that person or that person, whatever. A little bit more freelance than we're used to, and I hope that nobody's too uncomfortable with that. I just want to encourage you here. We... We love you. We love one another. And we really are here to give life to one another. We really are here to uh, encourage and lift one another up. And so as you feel led to this morning, uh, just, just be open to hearing from the Lord. Maybe have a word for somebody or just, just a word of encouragement or a prayer and just to go and pray for them. So why don't we stand? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.